Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Okay, here we go. We're back for another week. Randy. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, well, I'm glad to be here. Do you want a joke today? I do not want a joke today. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, I could pull one out of the hat, but it <laughs> it wouldn't be good, I'm going to guess. So we'll just dive right in. And um, so what, what I want to do today is wrap up, have this episode wrap up the series that we've been in, The Current Fight for the Faith. We've been in Jude and some other different places throughout the scripture. Mm-hmm. We started this in... Was it like late September, mid-September, something like that? Mm -hmm. So it's been a little while, and and we're currently in Advent, but uh, Randy pulled one of his classic, you know, let me me do a a Mm holiday-type sermon in the book that I'm in. That's right. And so the word joy, which was the third word for Advent, came up. (laughs) Thankfully. Came up. Thankfully. Comes in the the doxology of Jude, and so... Classic Randy. Yeah. He just had a sermon. God is very so, good to me. <laughs> it's amazing how that works out sometimes. It's very good it? to me over the years. Um, so we'll get into that in a second. And I think uh, I would say it wasn't. It was more of a. It was more of a contending for the faith sermon. But I think there's some Advent angle to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I could just put that slant on it, like mm-hmm. I think this because. We talk about it every week. Advent, we're not just remembering mm-hmm. what happened at the birth of Jesus. We're looking forward to his second coming. And so this doxology is talking about Jesus presenting us, you know, as mm-hmm. his trophy, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. And he does it mm-hmm. with great joy. And I have a question about that, which we'll yeah. get to. Yeah. But um, that's looking forward to the reign of the king and the new the new heavens and the new earth. And so that's where we're looking forward to, to Jesus' second coming. So, um, Yeah, in that way, uh, the doxology was very fitting for Advent mm-hmm. uh, for that because of that forward look. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's the day we're waiting for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do two things today in this mm-hmm. episode. One yeah. is going to be to look back at uh, an earlier passage in Jude because... Uh, there was a week where you couldn't be here with us for the podcast, right. and so I had some questions that came in. So we're going to do kind of a two-for-one here today. You mm-hmm. guys get double for what you paid for. Mm. All right, so let's make it worth their time. Here we go. So Contending for the Faith, the series that we've been in, the the cultural, just to kind of set the stage again, the cultural, societal air that we breathe mm-hmm. is is really causing us to have to contend for our faith with sociological issues that are going on, cultural issues, mm-hmm. uh, this pressure that we might be feeling as Christians to uh, back away from certain doctrines mm-hmm. or biblical beliefs. And here we are in 2021, right at the end of it, um, having to stand our ground on some mm-hmm. things and, and contend, uh, like Jude says, contend mm-hmm. for the faith. Um, so here's a question mm-hmm. that came in from a couple of weeks ago. It said this, how can a Christian avoid doubts when there's so much lack of clarity presented in our pulpits and media on so many issues? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hope that's not a shot across the bow at, at you. And I don't think it was by any stretch, but I, I think where I'm taking that question to come in is across America, uh, sermons are preached every Sunday mm-hmm. and there's a lot of just 
lack of clarity. There's mm -hmm. a lot of just, I don't know, you want to call it fuzzy talk. Mm -hmm. It's not real clear and distinct. Mm -hmm. And so um, how can a Christian avoid doubts? Because that's been part of this contending. Yeah. We've got these yeah. doubts that creep in sometimes. So uh, avoiding doubt mm -hmm. is probably not something you can do. Mm -hmm. If, uh, in, in other words, every Christian can't do that because of what Jude says uh, in uh, in the little letter, you know, verse twenty two, and have mercy on those who doubt. Doubting is is a normal human. Uh, that's a normal human reaction to. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a part of. It goes along with faith, actually. So, uh, our whole system is wrapped up in faith. Uh, so doubt is a part of that. So I would say the first thing is differentiate between doubt and confusion. So um, I think I think from what I heard there, I think the I think the question the better question would be, how do I keep from being confused by the various kinds of messages that are out there? Mm -hmm. So um, if that's the question, uh, because I don't think you can stop the doubt, I do think you can. I do think that you can um, you can be careful with the types of messages that you hear, and so uh, a couple of things. First, let me let me say the, the yeah. first thing I think is that uh, just watch for the tendency uh, to pull away from a faith family. So what was happening in Jude's day is what we're still guarding against, and that is some teaching somehow gets to your ears. And all of a sudden you feel like you're going to begin to pull away from the faith family that you're a part of. So mm -hmm. let's assume that you're part of a faith family that's orthodox. And uh, I mean, obviously this Beyond Sunday is aimed at our own faith family. So yeah. if I'm talking to you and you're uh, part of our faith family, the reason why you need to stay connected is because the unauthorized teachers and teachings uh, in Jude's day and in our day, the, the, the very first thing that starts to happen is, uh, you hear a message and it's different and you begin to separate yourself from the group. So that's mm -hmm. one of the key. So, you know, how do you stay away from doubt? Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but I can tell you that uh, some some of the ways you can guard against confusion is taking this letter to heart. And uh, one of the things I've been thinking about for a few weeks now with this little letter is, mm -hmm. first of all, we don't uh, we don't realize that that this is fatal. Uh, potentially fatal. We, yeah. we rarely think that way. Mm -hmm. So I think what Jude is doing is saying, uh, look, just remember how fatal this can be. And that's why that little letter is so heavy. It's filled with judgment text, but at the end, thankfully, is filled with a very, very confident assertion of what God can do. So uh, avoid. you can avoid confusion by paying attention to what you're listening to and what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my first, that's really seems to be the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, but let me also say that even if that, even if that comment was, uh, actually, I'd be the first one to say, my own teaching is rarely as clear as, as I would like it to be. And so I think, I think every Christian in the house ought to realize that what you're getting is you're getting just a few minutes of, you know, processing some doctrine. And it's the cumulative effect that we hope that over time, week by week, through the years that you are gaining enough clarity to walk with God that I believe that's, I believe that's happening, mm -hmm. but I'd be the last one. I, I, I would be the first one to say, Oh, I wish my sermons were clearer. I wish the Bible were clearer. 
Uh, I wish I had better understanding of the scriptures and better uh, and better ability to communicate the scriptures and all that. But none of that is uh, detracting from our opportunity to walk with God in the faith family. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I heard you say distinguish between doubt and confusion. I think that's important. Yeah, because it is hard to avoid doubt. Um, and going back to one of the sermons I interjected in this series, I mm -hmm. talked about my own doubts or deconstruction mm -hmm. and making sure we're doing, when we do doubt, we're doing it in a safe place mm -hmm. with the right people, wise people, godly yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so those doubts are going to come, and uh, but we should try and avoid confusion. And did you say how we do that? Like, how do we avoid yeah, confusion? Yeah, just tell me what you're listening to. Stay close. What, uh, you know, what teaching, what teaching did you get that caused you to have, uh, you know, some, uh, a reaction? Um, because of what you mentioned earlier, there are so many avenues whereby we can hear truth. Yeah. Or hear teaching. And is it, is it worth adding that there's some issues even maybe like you said, in the scriptures, they aren't the most clear. And so there is going to be some natural confusion, like I've got to sift through this. And some issues maybe even that are um, more important to get clarity on than others. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, there was a doctrine called the perspicuity of scripture. <laughs> The clarity, the clarity of scripture. And that's a great, that's a great doctrine. The, yeah. cl the clarity of scripture. Yeah. When you, when you read the definition of that, sure. Uh, but, but the definition itself has to, has to make sense of all the difficulties in the scriptures. Yeah. Which are not, there's so many things that are not clear. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the things that the series did is at least help people realize that, um, you know, uh, we have to work hard at this. Uh, the whole point of this is to fight for it. Mm -hmm. And so there is confusion out there. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we do have to pay attention to what we're hearing. We have to be good students of the scripture, but we have to be realistic in what we expect the scriptures to do. Mm -hmm. They're not as clear in places as they, as we would like them, as I would like them to be. But the, again, it's plenty clear enough for us to be on our way with God. Yeah. And so can I ask you to say, you, I mean, I feel like you've said this a number of times over the years, and hopefully you know what I'm getting at here, mm -hmm. but tell us again, like the the Bible church, you know, fundamental, lowercase fundamental mindset that we have, or we've got ingrained in our DNA here, uh, has this trajectory or goal of clarity in the scriptures, right? But yeah. you've said over the years... Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you when you grow up in a movement that is that has the the air of make sure your T's are, are crossed, your I's are dotted in every mm -hmm. detail of doctrine, that's that can set people up for a disappointment. Yeah, okay, that's really good. Because if 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 I come to the Bible as a young person or a you know, thirty seven year old, whoever, mm -hmm. if I come mm -hmm. to the Bible expecting that I can get clarity yeah. and then it's not as clear as what I've been led to believe it is. Right. That's disenchanting. Yeah. And I'm, it leaves me feeling like, Oh, so here's, this? here's an example, right? So last week or the week before a, a news article came out, this happened, this has happened throughout church history, uh, especially recent church history. Mm -hmm. An archeological find comes out that mm -hmm. blows apart some aspect of the Bible. Yeah. 
So, you know, we love archaeology when archaeology lines up with our verses. Right. We don't know what to do with archaeological finds when they contradict what we feel the Bible is saying. Mm -hmm. And so my, uh, you know, my call through the years has been, uh, make sure you make sure you don't ask the Bible to do uh, something it's not designed to do. Mm -hmm. So is is the Bible the truth? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. How is it? How is it presented? That's the question. So when you get to the point of I'm trying to compare an Old Testament story with an archaeological find, I want to say to you as someone that's been studying this for a long time, good luck with that. Uh, you hope the archaeological find lines up with the Bible. But right. if it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't right. mean a thing. It probably means that you've read the Bible wrongly. That's what I would say. Yeah. And <laughs> That'd so be my first statement. For many of our folks, I'm just going to guess saying many might not be the best percentage, but for some, some of our folks, for sure, that's going to be upsetting. And it could should be. that upset the cart? You no, know, an archaeological find contradicts with, you know, one of the... One know, of the reports in the Bible? Yeah. It depends on your view of how history is recorded for the purpose of a sermon for you. That's really, that's really what you want to see the Bible as. God wrote this down to be a sermon for you, not to be... It's not a history book. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not true. That just means the way it portrays history might be different from the way in which you're thinking it should. So mm -hmm. you just need to be careful with stuff like that. Christians get into all kinds of problems because they expect the Bible to do all kinds of things like solve my problem. I'm confused by this and I need to have a chapter and verse. Uh, that's probably not what you need. You probably just need to be wise. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible, it's not a history textbook. No. Um, it, it's not designed for that. Right. And I think sometimes Christians, uh, they want to explain some of those things away by saying something like, well, in ancient times, they didn't measure things the same way or, you know, so we, yeah. we and, and some of that may, may or may not be true. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe more fundamental to what you're saying is don't expect the Bible to be something that it's not. Right. Uh, Christians shouldn't defend it. They should believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how we got on that rabbit trail, but I think that was good. Hey. That's helpful. Um, so back mm -hmm. to the Bible and what yeah. it's trying to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. Here's another question. You brought this up in that one sermon going back a few weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, you said 70% of born again Christians don't believe that Jesus is the only way right. to mm -hmm. heaven or God. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is kind of a statement, I guess. It says, I wonder what percentage of those, those 70%, uh, read the scripture and say, wait a minute, like they don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. And then what percentage of that group, they're just, they don't know their Bible well enough. They would say, yeah, I'm a born again believer, but I also, they just don't, maybe they're not familiar enough with the, the scriptures mm -hmm. to actually mm -hmm. know that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I, mm -hmm. it, there is some of that. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I, that's a, so, yeah, Go so ahead. what you're, what, you know, obviously I don't know the answer to that. I, d I didn't mm -hmm. see any stat like that, but I do no. know that uh, biblical literacy continues to drop. So I can bet that a lot of people just don't read the Bible well, which is why I'm so blessed to be able to do it with you folks, uh, with you week after week, because uh, people don't read the Bible well. Uh, mm -hmm. They pick and choose which passages they're willing to believe, which means ultimately they're the ones that decide on what's true. Mm -hmm. And so we want to read it cover to cover, 
knowing that this is God's word. So yeah, I bet they don't read it well. And so can I ask, if you were to just summarize, what is the purpose of the Bible? Like, what is its intent and purpose? How, how would you frame that for us? Yeah, probably, probably the best we can do with that would be to say that God wrote that revelation for his people so that they would continue to trust him all the way to uh, through their faith journey. I, I think it's a book designed for the people of God to continue to trust in their God to save them. I think mm-hmm. it's that simple, and it has, and it's not an evangelistic thrust. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an edificational thrust. It's, it's being written for the people of God, and so whether it was written for Israel or whether it was written for the church, uh, the bottom line is it's written for the saints, and so the saints are coming to grips with God regularly with His redemptive acts, so that they can continue to trust Him, mm-hmm. which fits pretty well with Jude. Yeah, you know, every book of the Bible, if you just if you take those last 30 seconds and just put every book of the Bible into that, that's one of the ways you can make sense of how does a book contribute to the overall goal of gotcha. the 66 books. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and part of that is believing that Jesus, God's son, is is the way. Exactly. Um, and understanding that. Yeah. So one final comment about that sermon from a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jude wraps up in verse 23, he says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire, and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So mm-hmm. practically speaking, what does it mean to hate even the garment stained by the flesh? Uh, you know, I took a shot at it. I forget when it was. You were saying maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The best that we can tell is that hating of the garment which is one place removed from the flesh. So you have the flesh itself. Mm -hmm. The garment is one step removed. But as you can tell from the imagery, Mm -hmm. I think I use the imagery of a T-shirt, my Sunday T-shirts, for instance, which is kind of gross. But but that is the, that's really the thing, though. Mm -hmm. You have a, you know, you have one step removed from the source of the problem. It's stained and you hate even that. And that's, again, imagery that's designed to show that my hatred of sin should be great because if I'm, if I'm hating the one step removed from it, yeah. what does that mean for the hatred, the extent of the hatred? And my point back then, if I remember correctly, was I would do a better job fighting against sin if I hated it more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, uh, you know, that's, what, that's what Jude is talking about there. The reason why we're supposed to do this, you know, have mercy on those who doubt, is because we love those doubters. Uh, save others by snatching them out of the fire. They're the ones that are already starting to get too close to the false teaching. We need to save them because we love them. And then finally, the opposite emotional response. We hate, we hate the sin that's being created in us and around us. And we hate it so much that we fight against it. Yeah. Huh. I was just trying to think through some areas of sin that you see the effects of those sin in other ways. And uh, I can't think of one. Off I can think of one. Head. I mean, Go you for know, it. for me, I think, you know, every time pride comes out of me, it hurts someone. It's like, you know, whether it's a, a not necessarily a thought, because sometimes that's, that doesn't end up hurting the person necessarily. But I just despise the times when my pride hurt, you know, hurts Michelle, hurts my family, hurts my faith family, hurts my colleagues. Uh, you know, I just think, oh, man, mm-hmm. that's a, to me is one of those, if I, if, you know, I just hate that. Yeah. Well, that's good. I better keep hating it mm-hmm. because the more I hate it, the more I'm going to fight against it. Yeah. 
times. I, you know, I don't yeah, want to be, good. I don't want to be destructive. No, Mm-mm. I don't. So that's one example. Yeah, no, that's a good example. And so that's probably a good thing for me to think about where are those effects in my I'll life. Ask, I'll or, ask Rebecca, but yeah, well, she could give you a list, I'm sure. <laughs> um, all right. And so then Jude wraps up here with his doxology. And uh, yesterday in the sermon, we were talking about this great joy. Third word of Advent, mm-hmm. um, but here we're looking to be presented to mm-hmm. to God as this, uh, I think I said earlier, this trophy in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so one quick question here for you. Uh, I was reading Great Joy. Let me read the verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading that great joy as being to him, mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. And you, the way you were framing it yesterday was mm-hmm. the joy that we will have in that moment. So yeah, which one is it? Uh, well, I mean, I, and mm-hmm. Michelle asked me this question too uh, yesterday, I think. Uh, the best I can say about that is that this joy is the... Um, it's it's a corporate celebration. Mm-hmm. It's, it is not... It's, it, it's not directed... It's not reflecting God's joy in in inviting us to himself. He no doubt will experience that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't imagine another emotion. But this is uh, this has this, um, if I remember correctly, it has this piercing exaltation attached to it. That's why Jason kept saying that. I must have missed that. Yeah. Piercing exaltation. So I think that uh, I think that when you're reading this, what you're reading is you're being brought into the presence of God and you will experience I, I, what, what this is saying is that there's going to be a corporate loud shout of joy of being allowed in. So I don't believe it's a good reading to see it as God's joy. It's certainly not our, it's not Jesus's joy here. Uh, this is um, now to him, this is God. Now to, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. That's God's glory with great joy. So it's not Jesus here in the picture. This is God the Father. And while I'm sure he will be joyful, uh, I would imagine uh, with a great smile for us, come on in. Um, but here it's our corporate celebration, which is going to include great volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think the Greek word actually is this piercing, piercing cry of exaltation. Yeah. It's corporate. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about a picture of, in some ways, maybe a little bit of how it would go both ways, but um, thinking of a parent watching their, their child who's mm-hmm. ready to perform something. Mm-hmm. And so that child, whether it's a, you know, a song they're singing or recital, sure. or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the moment where it's time for them to go yeah. And when they're ready for it, like really in the moment and can appreciate mm-hmm. all that has gone into it and what it means. Yeah. There's a sense of like great joy yeah. uh, that comes with that sure. moment. Mm-hmm. And on the, you know, on the other side of that, the parents, you know, just pride and joy oh, yeah. and watching it too. So true. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So piercing exaltation, great joy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think, I think that helps. I might follow up with another question, but it's going to get nerdy and not helpful for mm-hmm. anyone else. So mm-hmm. I'll do that off the off yeah. this podcast. But anyway, no, that's good. Um, anything else to add here? Well, you asked a question earlier on. You said, you know, how would I summarize the doxology with a, you know, its theme? And I would say that you know the structure is pretty clear there. So what we're doing is 
because of God's ability to preserve us right to the end or to mm-hmm. keep us from stumbling mm-hmm. that fatal spiritual fall because he's yeah. able to do that mm-hmm. we give him our praise yeah and that's the way the structure is now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless remember that's the package deal since we're not going to stumble we are going to stand remember that contrast between falling and standing mm-hmm. Uh, because he's able to do that, then, of course, we give him uh, that that list. You know, let's give him glory, majesty, dominion and authority. Mm-hmm. And I try, you know, I tried to do my best at that point just to say, hey, let's say this together, because that's really, I think, what the doxology involves mm-hmm. uh, speaking those words to God. And so he is credited with an ability and we praise him because of it mm-hmm. would be, the, you know, the, the way those that doxology holds together as a yeah. unit. Yeah. And you said, let's hope that others pe- see that, see that joy. And yeah, I think, it, I think it's a, important for us this week. Um, you know, when we run into people, uh, we really, I think we need to, it, it needs to be genuine. Sure. And it needs to be uh, finding its source in our relationship with God so that mm-hmm. we are able to portray a different emotion than probably what most people around us, I mean, just watch, I mean, just watch the people around you. Uh, look at the expression on their faces when you see them and uh, you'll see uh, folks could use a real good smile from you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it lights their world sometimes, mm-hmm. just a simple smile. Yeah. So here we are in the middle of the first and second advent. Yes. You know, the first has is over. Yeah. We're waiting for the second. And that emotion of joy yeah. ought to ought to come through. Yes, especially uh, any of us who believe that uh, this is going to be our day. Mm. If we believe that this is going to be our day, it's, mm-hmm. it's rock solid hope. Yeah, and it needs to be rock solid because we're going to be tested. You know, which is what this Jude's right. about. So right, yeah. Most of the people in our world will reject our faith, especially when push comes to shove. Yeah. With respect to the morality of our world, we we are going to be on opposite ends of this. We we need to be ready for this. Yeah. All right. That should do it. Wraps it up. Thanks, Randy. You're welcome. All right. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.